This morning's scripture reading is from the letter to the Ephesians, reading from the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 25. Listen for the word of God. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, we come to the conclusion of this sermon series called Leave the Light On. And you'll remember that each week we have named a stewardship virtue that we often learn first in our homes. Things like sacrifice and self-awareness, benevolence, and today we name support as the final virtue. As far as I'm concerned, this is the most important stewardship virtue of all because I believe the greatest trust that we have been given isn't our money, it's each other. Yes, that's right, we are trusted with promoting good for each other, and Ephesians says it so well, for we are members of one another. So what does that mean, exactly? Or a better question might be, what does it look like? Well, I think it looks like Mission Week, which happened a little bit earlier this month. Families from our church helped other families from our church with their yard work. It looks like what's going to happen this coming week when we take meals to the family promised guests and provide for them their Thanksgiving dinner. It looks like picking up the phone to call or text someone from church that you haven't talked to in a while. And it looks like the wings of prayer that held Kathy Holzebus and her family states away while they accompanied Doug on his final, final journey home. Her prayer request to us was one of Thanksgiving this morning. She has shared repeatedly how much it meant to her and how her whole family could feel our prayers surrounding them as they said goodbye to Doug. That's what support looks like. We've been trusted to offer this gift to one another. More than that, we are actually stewards of the impact and the effect that we have on one another. I want you to let that sink in for just a long moment. That we, as those who belong to the body of Christ, we are actually stewards of the impact and the effect that we have on one another. Support, then, means learning to steward those relationships well. And we learn this best in our families, when we learn how to lean on each other and to show up for each other, whether that be our families of origin or our families of choice. Unfortunately, we also learn in those families how painful it is when that support is needed but not given this lesson then grows as we do life together as a church family and so 
Today we celebrate all the ways that we have learned that in our home. And we remember that our call is even higher as we serve one another in our church family. We're going to turn to the text for instruction on how to do this this morning in ways that honor our commitment to God and to each other. As you read Ephesians, you might notice that it is parallel to Colossians. In both of these letters, there's a great deal of ethical instruction because the authors are convinced that the most important witness to those who are not Christians will be how Christians treat each other. Again, let that sink in for just a long moment. The most important witness to those who are not Christian is how we treat each other. The letters, the author of these letters believe that if Jesus has really transformed your life, then it should be evident in the life together. So much so that it would convince someone if they were not a part of the life together, if they were not a part of the body of Christ, that it was a place that they would want to belong. This section of Ephesians has four instructions that I think draw our attention. What does it look like when we support each other, when we offer that corporate witness that is compelling enough to be an invitation all on its own? Well, we listen well to the text this morning. In verse 26, it says, Be angry, but do not sin. Does that feel like a fine line to anybody else? I, I know I, I struggle with that. Be angry, but do not sin. And I thought it was a helpful admission of the author of Ephesians because when we do life together, we will get frustrated with each other, friend. We will. We might even be angry with each other. But the instruction cautions us about where does that anger lead. A helpful measure for me in my life has been does my anger hurt someone else or does it remind them of how important they are in my life? And again, that's a fine line, but it is a good measure. Whenever I've become angry or frustrated in life together, the way I, I live that out, the way I act that out, does it hurt someone else or does it remind them that I love them so deeply that it really matters how they treat me and how they treat each other and how I treat them? If you want to know kind of the bottom line, anger should not fester. And that's, again, a part of what the author in Ephesians says. It should not hurt or break relationships. And so this instruction is very important for life together. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not allow your anger to hurt someone. When we come to verse 28, it says, Thieves must give up stealing. One of the commentaries that Pastor Heather and I consulted on this text offered this explanation. There is no need to steal because the Christian response is that the community will share with each other. Huh. I thought that was so helpful in sort of opening a window on this text because it goes on to talk about how everyone should labor with their own hands so they have something to contribute. Right? We shouldn't need to steal because we can be in a community where when something is, someone is in need, we offer to them what they need. And when someone has much, they share and they give to others. And it, it's a give and take. No one is forced to steal and no one is prevented from offering something of value to the community. Both would be wrong. Instead, there's a common commitment to each other that means we all take turns contributing toward one another. 
That's what healthy community looks like. That's what support looks like. So thieves must give up stealing. Instead, let us offer give and take to one another. Verse 29. I'm going to let you look for just a minute at those words on the screen and let them sink in for just another long moment. Let no evil talk be present on your Facebook feed. Oh. <laughs> oh. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths. You might remember the admonition when you were young. My mom offered it quite a lot. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. Yeah, you've heard that one. Okay. <laughs> Friends, nothing threatens the fabric of community quicker than unwholesome speech. Do you know that to be true? Right? I, I don't need to tell you that. You have experienced it. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths because it hurts the fabric of the community. The scripture goes on to say this, but only what is useful for building each other up so that your words may give grace to those who hear. If you're worried about unwholesome talk, then you know that it's simply that which does not give grace to those who hear. Now note here that you don't have to be silent. It doesn't say don't speak at all. It says no, let no evil come out of your mouths. What that means is that when it's time to speak your truth, you do so with compassion. And then you really listen to the truth that your opponent speaks as well. See, in this instruction that the author of Ephesians is giving to us, there's an acknowledgement that being in community, learning to support each other, that's hard. And it's messy. Because we're all people. And we all need each other, but sometimes it's hard to live with each other. Have you noticed this? Do you ever learn this in your families? And so it's trying to help you see, you know, that you can do this, but when you get to that point, you've gone a little too far. So that the, the fabric, the strength of the community is not threatened. Verse 32 says, be kind to each other. I want to point out here that kindness is different than being nice. Nice means you're avoiding a conflict or you're staying silent for the sake of keeping the peace. And you'll hear this sometimes said, just be nice. Just be quiet, right? Don't say anything that's going to make waves or cause a ruffle. Kindness, on the other hand, is an intentional act of generosity. It's very different than being nice. Kindness is investing in someone and his or her well-being even when they have hurt you. That's what it means to be kind to each other. Wow. I don't know about you, but I find that very difficult to do. And I had some pretty good practice yesterday in the all-day annual conference meeting that was virtual. And I had to remind myself, right, that I should want good for the other person, even when they speak on a different side of the issue than, than I would be on. That's what kindness is. And my experience in my own life, and I, I experience this too when I visit with you, is that the only way that can happen is by the grace of God. On our own, it is very difficult to hope good for the other, even when they've hurt you. But grace is such a gift because it allows us to have a well that is deeper than our own from which 
we can offer this gift of kindness. Be kind to one another. The scripture then concludes, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So there are two places in the scripture that I go to to learn about forgiveness. And this seems to be a repeating need that people in our congregation and every congregation I've served had. How do I forgive? Forgiveness is such a barrier. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus offers us this instruction, right? That we are to uh, forgive each other the trespasses as God has forgiven our trespasses. And then we come to this instruction in Ephesians, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, where it ends with forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The key here in both instructions is you cannot give what you have not first received. You cannot give kindness when you have not allowed yourself to receive kindness from someone else. There's something about that. When you receive kindness, especially when you don't deserve it, that opens us up, that allows us then to offer that same gift to someone else, not because they have been kind to us, but because we have received kindness. Same thing with forgiveness. Many times we find it hard to extend forgiveness because we find it hard to receive forgiveness. So these are our four instructions from the text. Be angry, but do not sin. Thieves must give up stealing. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths and be kind to each other. So I want to summarize this in just one word because I think this might be helpful for us in each of those instructions and ask this question, what if our life together came alive with these four characteristics? What if our life together came alive with resilience? Especially in the relationships that we share with one another. I would call it an elasticity. The ability to feel our frustrations and still stay in relationship with each other without hurting each other. Does that feel like a miracle to you, at least in today's climate? That we would be resilient in our relationships. We're not going to break relationship with each other. No matter how frustrated, no matter how angry we've become, we have resilience, right? There's give and take. There's elasticity. What if our life together came alive with generosity? There would be no need to steal, no need to hoard, because we would freely share with each other, and we would willingly then receive the gifts of each other. There's a back and a forth, a give and a take, that generosity promotes among a healthy community. What if our life together came alive with exhortation? I love this word because it sounds so so churchy. Um, and, you know, when you use it, people are like, oh, uh, but I, I want you, I want to give you a picture because it is an absolutely beautiful concept of what we are to do with and for each other in our speech. And an exhortation means that we speak words that invest in each other. We speak words that help provide safe space for the other person to be revealed. So think about words like, um, it's okay that you feel that way. I'll be with you as you experience that. That would be an exhortation. Or what I've heard you say concerns me a little bit because I think you're walking on that line. Right? That's not an accusation. Right? That doesn't hurt the other person. It says, I love you and I care about you, so I want to exhort you 
I want to invest in your well-being. I want to provide safe space for you to be revealed. I want to help you be your very best self by the words I speak to you. What if our life together came alive with kindness? A genuine care for each other that builds a foundation of trust. I don't know about you, but those words that are on the screen, that's a community I'd want to be a part of. If, if I didn't claim Christ and I saw people actually being this for each other, resilient and generous and full of exhortation and kindness, I'd say, huh, because that's not what I see everywhere else I look. It's an invitation to a higher way of living that invests in each other, that uses the stewardship virtue of support. And if we could live a life together with these characteristics, we would know what support means, not because we have words for it, but because we experience it. Pastor Heather and I have asked you over these last four weeks to evaluate the stewardship virtues in your life. We've also asked you to respond by turning in your commitment cards, which is a vital part of supporting our life together. So as we conclude today, friends, I want you to glimpse this vision with me. When God's people begin to act like Jesus, when God's church lives like the body of Christ, the world will experience a change in itself. Can that get an amen? Maybe even online, right? You all could amen with me. That comes from a, a book called Transformational Church. When God's people begin to act like Jesus, when God's church lives like the body of Christ, the world will experience a change in itself. That's why this stewardship virtue is so important. God continues to be faithful among us, even in the middle of a pandemic. So many of you have offered your faithfulness through your commitment cards. Many of you have mailed them in, a few of them few of you brought them this morning how about that faith yeah i'd like to take a moment to offer a prayer of consecration over these tangible signs of resilience and generosity and exhortation and kindness would you pray with me oh generous god whose love for us is beyond our imagining Who loves us so much that there is nothing you would not do to show us favor, to draw us into your amazing embrace, to remind us that we are who you have made us to be, and that is our very best self. You love us so much, oh God, that you would even allow us to be a part of a spiritual home base, what we would call our congregation, our faith family. So that together we might learn how it is that we live this grace and this mercy and this thing called kindness that seems so foreign right now. You've given us a, a place to experiment with it right here, oh God. And so we thank you for the ways that that is represented here in these commitment cards. We thank you for allowing us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and we pray that you would receive our intentions, our commitments, our gifts, and you would do more with them than we ever could. In Jesus' name, amen.